I'm Daniel Gowerluck, and this is On Earth. On Earth is brought to you by the Pacific Museum of Earth. In this podcast, we aim to show what it's like to be an Earth, ocean, or atmospheric scientist. There's a lot of diversity under that umbrella, and not all of our scientists wear lab coats. Today on Earth, we're talking to... Chi Yan. Chi, welcome to the podcast. Now, you're a marine virologist. Uh, what does that mean? Thank you for the question. Um, I'm currently a uh, PhD student in marine virology, and I'm working in Dr. Sato's lab here at UAS, which is also known as the uh, Marine Molecular Microbiology and Virology Lab. And about what do uh, marine virologists do? I'll use my lab as an example. So in our lab, we are looking at viruses in the ocean, such as discovering previously unknown viruses and understanding how they affect other lives in the ocean, such as maybe like whales and um, like even seabirds or like fish in the ocean. But uh, in our lab, more specifically, we are looking at the uh, viruses of microbes, which we are which we norm- normally don't see with our like naked eyes. For, um, for example, I'm trying to find a virus infecting marine single-celled protists, with, such as diatoms and flagellates, for which viruses are unknown. Some of my other colleagues are also working on pathogens that infect other marine life, such as marine bacteria, zooplankton, salmon, and oyster. Wow. Could any of those uh, viruses affect us? Well, it's actually a good question, especially during the COVID time. Uh, my think, my thought is that the viruses we are looking at currently uh, don't ha- don't ha- infect humans um, because the viruses and uh, viruses usually have a very specific host range. Um, uh, for some some of the viruses might have a broad range, but uh, most of them just only infect one kind of host. And the host we are looking at are mostly the microbes, like um, eukary like single cell eukaryotes, which are like phytoplankton and zooplankton, um, and some of them. Uh, like I mentioned for some of my colleagues are studying some of the uh, organisms that are involved in aquaculture. So um, I think the possibility that the viruses we're looking at uh, can infect humans could be low, actually. Okay. And these uh, phytoplankton and zooplankton, do they experience uh, pandemics like we do from viruses? Um, That is a really great question. And I'm interested in that. Um, My understanding is that there could be, and I remember a very interesting story is that, um, so there are forums along the coast, which are um, like, they are also protists, but they have a hard shell. And sometimes some of the uh, forums could be really big and you can't even see them with your eyes. And I, I learned it from my um, supervisor and also some papers that mentioned in uh, probably in the like 1960s, there used to be an event that happened to the forums that, that, that is like wiped out all of the, all of the populations of a specific forums uh, across the globe. And some of the uh, scientists uh, who studied this at that time uh, 
gave a hypothesis that a virus did this to all these kind of forums. So I think that is also possible. Wow, you're uncovering a whole world that's too small for us to even see. <laughs> so Chi, what did you study to become a marine virologist? So um, I did my undergraduate studies at Ocean University of China. And just by uh, hearing its name, it's kind of it's specialized in oceanography studies. So I think I started my interest in oceanography and uh, microbiology at that time. Um, I received a uh, bachelor's degree in biotechnology in 2019, and in the autumn of the same year, I started my PhD program in oceanography at EOAS, and I think that is the kind of my the beginning of my career in doing in focusing on marine viruses. Wow, China has everything. They have a whole university just for the ocean. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Uh, why the ocean? What fascinated you about the ocean? Yeah, that's a, that's a really uh, good question as well. Um, so when I was young, like probably a high school student, um, at that time, you're um, trying to be exposed to a, like a wide range of different courses and different areas we can go into. And I was lucky to participate in, uh, in an activity that we can go on a research cruise because my high school is also in a coastal city. And um, so we, par we participated in that and I went on a research cruise and we did some um, physical oceanography stuff and also biological oceanography stuff, like observing the uh, marine organisms under a microscope. And at that time, I just think the uh, ocean is so fascinating. There are so many things that we don't know about them. Uh, so I think my um, interest started from there, like when I was a high school student. Wow, excellent. <laughs> I'm glad that cruise uh, inspired you so much. Which city are you from? Yeah, I'm from China. Um, the city is called Qingdao, which is a coastal city on the uh, northeastern part of China. Um, the most like the, the most famous thing from our city probably would be the Qingdao beer. You might sometimes see that in the BC Liquor store. And it's also interesting that I used to watch Blaze Runner, if that's the right name. Um, and there is a scene when uh, the main character is trying to buy some beer and uh, the shop owner just asks him, what do you want? And he just said, chained out. It's so cool. I was trying to th think of why that name um, sounded familiar, but yeah, that's absolutely it. <laughs> Now, I know you're at the beginning of your career, but even in your undergrad or um, graduate studies, have you made any discoveries that you care to share? When I was doing my undergraduate studies, I worked in the viral and microbial diversity lab at OUC, where I worked on isolating viruses for marine bacteria and also analyzing the uh, virus community structure by metagenomics for my uh, the graduation project also like for the undergrad thesis. And for until now in the past year, which was COVID, so I was using some transcriptomic data to look for viruses that infect marine protists. Uh, like I said earlier, could be uh, which could be phytoplankton or microzooplankton. And I was lucky to find some of the uh, 
sequences that could belong to a virus. And I am and I found these viruses could be abundant in the ocean. And I'm looking forward to learning more about them. Like uh, what they could possibly be doing in the environment or if I could isolate one of them. That's really cool. And amazing that you're doing that at such uh, an early stage in your studies. Thank you. <laughs> now, one of my favorite things about this interview series has been learning about people's uh, field stories. Apparently, the field is this just crazy place where amazing things happen. Um, do you get out to the field very often or do you work mostly in a lab? And if you do, um, do you have any field stories you'd like to share? Yeah, uh, for me, I haven't been to the field uh, very often, but I do. Uh, but I did hear a story from my supervisor and my our research associate. So it was really interesting that my supervisor, Curtis Sutto, and the research associate Kevin Jones uh, in our lab, uh, they went on a trip to the Red Sea to collect some seawater samples. And they, they said that they were um, in the middle of Red Sea on a research cruise and tried to do some sampling. But because the ocean there is very unique, like different from the other parts of the sea, uh, like they have really strong winds and unpredictable currents and they got really sick and they uh, kind of felt want to vomit. Um, it was really difficult, but they still tried really hard to get the samples. And I feel like, okay, so this is, this is where oceanographers thrive. Yeah, that's the region where the uh, Evergrande got blown ashore this past year, right? Right, I think so. So those winds are now world famous for being uh, very unpredictable and very strong. <laughs> That's so true. Um, and also for um, some other um, experiences I had, uh, I, I think I, I, this might not be uh, like exciting or thrilling, but it's uh, kind of fun. Uh, I just want to share uh, is that I, I'm gradually starting to culture some protists in the lab and uh, like some algae. Uh, they cannot be seen by our eyes but you can still try to know how they're growing uh, by looking at the uh, color of their culture and things like that. Um, I feel like my personal feelings for growing the cultures is that some of them could be easy to grow, but some of them could be uh, very sensitive to uh, like low or high temperature or some very strong light. So I feel like the, the process of culturing these um, protists is like interacting with some of your micro friends. It's like you can't see their cells with your naked eyes, but you get to know what they like or they don't like, um, like how you can make them happy so they can grow really fast and help you with your experiment. Uh, I just think this is a fun and cute experience. I find I start talking to my plants and when I figure out what they like and what they don't. Do you talk to your cultures? <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> And you need to have a green thumb to do that. Excellent. So it's a bit of horticulture too. Do you get seasick? That's a good question. Um, I I didn't have a seasick in the past time, but I think if I'm also at the Red Sea, I would do something like that too. <laughs> yeah, I think I would too. Now, I'm curious, why is your research important? Why should we care if you know microscopic or organisms go extinct? I'm hoping to um, 
identify some of the uh, previously unknown interactions between viruses and their pro and, and their protist host, like in, in my own study. And I think why it's important is that when we know uh, some of these interactions are really happening by our research, we can ultimately build a comprehensive picture of what we might be what might be going on in marine ecosystems and nutrient cycles. Uh, this is something that if we don't um, explore or don't discover, we might not be able to know the whole picture. Uh, I'm also hoping to establish a novel virus host system in culture because these cultures can then be used to perform experiments to help us understand how the virus infect the host. And if I get some viral sequences, if I'm lucky, they can also be used to design molecular tools such as primers, which can be used to detect if the virus is present in some other environments, like a different lake or a different part of the ocean. Oh, do you find viruses spreading from oceans to lakes? Um, I haven't found uh, like a like the same virus that can be found in ocean or in the lake, but I think. I did read some papers that uh, when they find like um, viruses um, in the same family could infect um, like for instance um, a freshwater diatom or a seawater diatom. Um, I, I, I think the same virus um, might not be able to have such a like a wide range of salinity but it's possible for some viruses that are related to them like for their relatives. Are any viruses um, beneficial or are they all predatory? <laughs> so my understanding is that um, there are some uh, algae, uh, like for example, there are some algae out there that could cause blooms and in the, like in the ocean, which are sometimes bad for aquaculture. But if we have the, uh, but if we isolate a virus that could infect this uh, algae, we can then develop tools to control the blooms and even to avoid it from happening. It's like introducing wolves into a nature sanctuary to control the deer population. That's a great analogy. I think that's exactly. Now, you're clearly very passionate about your work, uh, but what's the best part about your work? Yeah, so the best part of my work, I think, is to discover something that no one has ever found before. Um, as my supervisor, uh, Dr. Curtis Sato, said once that our knowledge of marine viruses is still very limited, mainly because no one has looked at them. He also said that um, until the 1990s, many research didn't even believe that viruses uh, existed in ocean environments. Um, I think if in theory, every organism on Earth is infected by a virus, uh, we should have discovered a lot more viruses than we have discovered till now. So um, that's my passion and also the uh, most exciting part, I think, uh, when doing my research is to just find something that no one has found before. You've got the heart of an explorer. <laughs> that's true. Of course, not everything is, uh, you know, happy and cheerful. What's the, the worst or the most challenging part of your work? For me, the worst or the most challenging part of my work is to accept the fact that there is the possibility that your work, like experiment or data analysis you're doing, might not give you a satisfactory result. Um, uh, I, I, but I would say, although it's challenging, it's 
it's not making me unhappy. In fact, I really like the feeling to explore the things that I didn't touch upon before.、Um, when we have such an like unsatisfactory result, we can try to find out the reason why it didn't work out. Did I do something wrong that should be avoided in the experiment, or is there something I can do to improve it? Or the best,、um, like the best outcome could even be you find something that is not normal.、Uh, sorry, if it's something that、uh, no one has found before, so everyone thought is、uh, like unsatisfactory, but it's actually good.、Um, I I heard one of my、uh, colleagues said one、uh, an interesting saying is that why do we call research research? It's because we need to do search again and again, and then you can find something. That's a great attitude, and I love how you pull success from、uh, any experimental failure. <laughs> Thank you. Now, Chi, I'm curious.、Uh, do you identify as belonging to any、um, underrepresented communities? And if so, do you feel like that's impacted your work or research? Yes, so I identify myself as part of women and Asians in STEM.、Um, I'm lucky to say that I haven't encountered negative impacts on my study or career yet, as my colleagues and people I work with are really nice and help me as much as they can. The only thing、um, I am a little concerned about is probably the、uh, anti-Asian racism during COVID, especially when it started. My studies weren't affected at that time directly, but I did feel unsafe at that time,、um, occasionally. But thanks to the effort made by all of us at UBC and everywhere, I think this is getting better, and I'm confident about that. Well, I'm sorry that that happened, and、um, I am glad that it's getting better.、Um, but yeah, it's still not acceptable that it, it happened in the first place.、Uh, speaking of COVID,、uh, how has it impacted your work? Were you able to keep Doing research? Yes, I'd say it did have a certain amount of influence on my work,、um, because、uh, I was going to go into the field and focus on lab work as a beginning for my project to find novel viruses in the environment. Then COVID started, and、uh, I had to switch my gear to bioinformatics to look for viruses in transcriptomic data. But later, I found it's actually a very good opportunity for me to. Uh, to touch the、uh, like the bioinformatics、uh, analysis that I wasn't working very a lot on, and I gradually felt comfortable working on the computer from home, and I'm lucky to have some results now. It feels like opportunities don't always come in the way you're expecting, but they will eventually come. There you go again, claiming victory from defeat, <laughs> and. You've become known around the department for being very computer savvy and helping us with、uh, many of our technical tasks. Thank you. Now, do you feel that、um, marine virology is a really open and welcoming field、uh, where anyone is welcome to come in and join, or is it a little more、uh, closed and insular and looks after its own?、Uh, I would say that my field,、uh, the field I'm working on, is generally a welcoming a welcoming one. Because I think I've met、um, people from different backgrounds at different ages, like a, var- a variety of people.、Um, like they are all working in this area.、Uh, I think it's a good thing. And even uh, I heard uh, someone said that um, uh, our de- uh, our department is、uh, even welcoming students from very different.、Um, 
areas like if you work on something else like even uh, like arts and literature you are still welcome to be here as you have you'll have your own perspective in doing things and uh, we believe that you you'll success you will succeed wonderful I'm glad you think that. And there certainly has been a push to bring in more artists and or people with arts backgrounds because um, they have skill sets that we don't have. Yes. Speaking of skill sets, uh, if anyone's listening to you right now and thinking, I want to study marine viruses too, uh, what advice would you have for them? What background or courses or experience would you recommend they uh, pursue? For students interested in marine viruses or if I say more broadly for marine microbiology, I'd recommend any courses related to, um, say, oceanography, biology, like microbiology, molecular biology, and bioinformatics for doing data analysis and uh, environmental studies, etc. Because I think this is a field that involves knowledge from different areas and uses different methods. Uh, like ranging from traditional oceanography methods to molecular um, to sequencing data analysis. So I think it would be great to try anything and take any course that is related. I, it is not aimed to it is not only aimed to uh, build a firm background to help you uh, in this field, but also um, you can find what you're most interested in when you're taking the courses and be exposed to different topics in this area. Excellent. I noticed you didn't say um, spend some time on a boat, which, as we've learned, you don't actually have to do to be a good oceanographer <laughs> like yourself. <laughs> The be on a boat could also be a good experience. Um, I think uh, like in my undergraduate studies, I once took a course that involved a, a one week tra- field trip on a research cruise. And I, that is a uh, unforgettable experience that we can work on the boat. Um, and also I think there is a course in our department, which is called the uh, Methods in Oceanography that involves a field trip to Banfield. Um, that is also very cool. You can learn uh, different oceanography methods. You get to know a lot of friends and you can do your own project. Now, Gee, you're a very inspiring person. Um, who inspired you while you were studying or who continues to inspire you? I feel it's hard to pick um, only one person because I'm actually inspired by a lot of people in different ways, either from doing research or um, how to keep a, a how to keep keep a positive attitude all the time. And uh, for example, um, Amy Chen, research scientist in our lab, has a lot of passion and experience in isolating new viruses, and I learned a lot from her. She isolated the first RNA virus that infected marine protists, which I think is super cool because no one has had done that before. Um, I've learned a lot from her, not only in doing experiments and culturing stuff, but also how to work in science, like always keeping an open mind when you find something. Good advice, no matter what you do. <laughs> That's true. Now you're at the beginning of your career and you've got a long uh, and a productive career ahead of you. But I'm curious, what would you like to be the legacy of your career when you retire? Yes, that is a really good question. Um, 
if I can say it more specifically, like in my field, I would say that I am looking forward to uh, reveal as many uh, virus and host interactions in the ocean as possible. Um, because as I said earlier, um, I think if we want to understand the nature and the uh, marine ecosystem as good as we can, we need to know what are happening in the ocean. Like there are different interactions um, and, virus is, and viruses are one of the um, important part. And I would want to recruit that in the, like for the, like for instance, the uh, ecosystem models we have now. And if we have the viruses in it, it might even change the models. And so I think that is something I want to do uh, in my career so that we can have a better understanding of nature, uh, especially in the uh, marine ecosystem. It sounds like you're at the start of a whole new field, and it's there's so much excitement. <laughs> now, speaking of the field, um, I'm curious, the field that a person enters at the beginning of their career can be completely different by the time that they retire. Um, so where do you see marine virology going in the future? And what advice do you have for young people so that they can anticipate some of the changes that are coming and um, be ahead of the curve? Yes. Yeah, so for the first question, uh, like some possible changes that might happen in this field, I would say that um, from when the uh, marine virus um, field just uh, get started in like the 1990s, uh, most uh, scientists are using um, methods that enabled us to kind of see the virus, like to culture the host and then to uh, co-culture the host with the virus. And if the culture dies, we can say that the virus is infecting them. It's like a direct evidence of virus is infecting the host. And that is, um, I, I think that is um, the methods that, we, that people use most. And then, um, like in the recent years, people are using metagenomics, uh, metatranscriptomics uh, methods, which is like pulled all sequences in the environment and then analyze the uh, virus sequences in it. This is different from the traditional methods we just talked about because we can't uh, really see uh, like uh, like a direct evidence of virus infection, but it's also very important because it kind of shows uh, like there are different viruses there in the environment, which were not able to be found by us if we are using the traditional method. And um, I think there is a missing link between the two uh, kind of methods. Um, and I think, uh, in the future, we'll be able to find a uh, to find the link. Like uh, we can tell that the virus is being infected, and we'll have the direct evidence. The reason why it hasn't been found is that many uh, like bacteria or protists, which are the host of the uh, viruses, are not easy to be grown in the lab. But I think we'll be able to solve this problem in the future. Wow, that's really exciting. And again, with such a young field, there's so much work to be done and so many major discoveries to be made. One thing about science is when you look at science, it sometimes feels like all the discoveries have already been made. But it seems like with uh, marine virology, there's a whole new world opening up. I think so. What's your favorite marine virus? 
Okay, that's a good question. Um, I'm currently trying to pick one between the Bodo-Soltis virus and the uh, heterosigma RNA virus because the first one is in the is is in the paper that I read first about um, like uh, doing marine viruses and then the heterosigma RNA virus is the virus that Amy isolated which is the first RNA virus isolated in the in the whole field that infect marine protists so I think both of them are cool and it's hard for me to pick one of them <laughs> that's fair you're allowed to have two favorite viruses <laughs> Well, Chi, those are all the questions I have for you for today. Uh, did I miss anything or is there anything you want to add before I let you go? I I, I think these are great. Um, I, I think that's it. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your, your sunny disposition, your expertise and your knowledge and your stories. And I wish you all the best. I hope you can get in a boat soon. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to On Earth. On Earth is hosted by me and produced by myself, Kirsten Hodge, our editor Mel Woods, and Ollie Beebe designed our logo. On Earth is made possible thanks to the generous support of the Canadian Geological Foundation. For more episodes like this one, please visit our website at pme.ubc.ca slash learn slash podcast or listen on Spotify Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week, here on Earth.